Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Kings chapter 18, verses number 21, the Bible declares, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then you should follow him. But the people said nothing. 22 declares, then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood. But not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. God help us. Then you can, then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. They called on the name of Baal from morning to noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. Somebody shout, no response. Want to help? No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Now, the the, the prophets of Baal, these 450 prophets, I'm pretty sure that they were disappointed as well as shocked, even surprised, because um, the Apostle Paul teaches us when it comes to false religions that they are demonically inspired. And that means if there is something that is demonically inspired, there is some spiritual sensation that goes on in that particular religion, in that particular, uh, that cult. So there were some things that they experienced in their closet, in their own personal temple, that could not happen in the presence of the true and living God. I want to help somebody in this place. There should be a boldness that you should have walking around because you know that you serve the true and living God. Yes, the Bible declares that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, powers, spiritual weak. Understand, you're not just in a battle between people, between you and your boss or people on the street, but there is a true spiritual battle that is going on in the heavenly realms against you. But despite the opposition, the Bible declares that God be for us. I want to help somebody in this place. I feel, I'm feeling pretty good on today. If God be for us, somebody shout, who that? Who can be against us? So these boys experienced some type of spiritual sensation within their own temple, within their own, within their own prayer closets, but the demon became mute in the presence of a true and living God. So the man of God speaks up. The Bible declares, then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, feel, watch, watch this, y'all. Uh, this prophet here, he is confident. 
He's See, there's a difference between cocky and confident. Being, you know, yeah, yeah, that's a difference. When when you cocky, it's all about you. You have you have faith in yourself. But when you're confident, you know who God is on the inside of you, and you can speak and declare things that you know is going to come to pass, not because of you, but because of who you serve. Can you say amen to that? So the man of God, he is not cocky. He is extremely confident. He says, I'm going to prove this to y'all. The God that answers by fire, let him be the true and living God. So y'all couldn't, couldn't get nothing? Okay. Here is my sacrifice. Fill four large jars of water and pour it on the offering. And on the wood. And when they finish, you know what he said? Do it again. And they did it again. Do it a third time. He ordered, and they did it the third time. Then he said, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel that I am your servant and have done all thing, all these things at your command. 37 is crazy. Answer me. Somebody shall answer me, Lord. Now, now watch what he says. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. He says, answer my prayer, not for me, but for your sake so people will know that you are the true and living God. Here is the question. Why do you want God to answer your prayers? Because if the answer to your prayer, is it all about you? Or is it really for the glory of God? We want to help. So 38 says, then, then the fire of the Lord. Somebody shout, the fire fell. My God, today. 450 prophets cut themselves and today were bleeding and they couldn't get an answer. No, the Bible says no response. The man of God standing by himself. And understand that this, this, this competition is not in, in, in a little corner somewhere, but the entire, the King Ahab summons all of Israel to stand around to see this competition. So it is openly done. The Bible declares, then the fire of the Lord fell. Somebody shout, the fire fell. The fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. Man, this is so good here. Thank you, Jesus. The stones and the soil and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Somebody shout the glory side of ministry. I'm telling you, the glory side. There is a glory side of ministry. And I love it when the presence of God shows up. I love it when the glory of God begins to manifest himself. I'm talking about the glory of God. I've, I've, seen, I've seen people come in here and, and God rat, so radically does something in their heart. Mamas call me for a counseling session because they want to know, what did y'all do to my baby? She left the house cussing me out. She came home apologizing to me. I want to know, what is it that you did to my baby? I asked my wife to clarify the testimony because I wanted to tell it right. It was a baby. It was a baby. She, she, she cut her finger off. Playing in her daddy's shop. Cut her finger off. Doctors reconnected the finger back together, but it was dying. It was continuing to die while it was connected. They, they examined the finger, and they said that it was no life in that finger at all. They scheduled an appointment for a couple of days later to go ahead and take it off. And, and she came to the house. She just happened to be at the house. I understand. I can't control miracles. I could just ask God for them. 
and at the end of the day, he's going to do whatever he wants to do, but the least thing I could do is ask him for one. Brought the baby to the house, and I just asked God for a miracle. Come on, somebody. And my wife and I, we laid hands on the baby and prayed for the baby. And on the day that she was getting ready to get it cut off, they, they just said, can we just examine it one more time? And then they examine it one more time, and they say, we see sign of life. I'm talking about the glory side of men. God has done some miraculous things in this house, man. That was a time several years ago, this lady, she was, she was 100% on oxygen. The doctors had told her that we've done all that we can do. Her, her friend called me because she was just a member of the church. She had no family here. Matter of fact, she had daughters in, in California, another daughter in Africa. They had booked plane tickets to come because a funeral was getting ready to happen. Her friend called me. Not a member of this church, by the way, he called me. He said, Reb, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but we're going to need you. To eulogize my friend. Now, I don't know why I was so crazy. But I said, where's she at? We went to the hospital. My wife left the classroom. We went to the hospital. And it was too crazy. Because she crazier than I am. I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying? I like to pray, but I don't like to pray loud. You understand what I'm saying? Before we could even get in there, she said, you feel that? I said, yeah, it's death in here. She said, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I'm like, hold on. I, I, yeah, we're going to rebuke it, but not so loud. You understand? <laughs> I rebuke death in Jesus' name. <laughs> we laid hands on that. I'm talking about 100% on oxygen. Only, the only reason she's still on oxygen is because they want the family there before they pull the plug. We pray, pray lay hands on her. We walk away. We get a phone call a couple of hours later. Dude called me back and said, Reb, I don't know what y'all did. But she's up breathing on her own now. Somebody shout the glory side of ministry. Let me tell you about the glory side of ministry. The glory side of ministry is when you got 20 members, 20 faithful members, and you go to the bank and you tell them, I don't want to rent no more. We want to own our own. And God gives, you, God gives you favor with the banker with 20 members. You know what the banker said? He said, I want to help y'all. He said, if you can just get 100 people, if you can get 100 people. I said, I can get 100 people. I started walking around and said, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? You pregnant? You pregnant? Okay, that's two right there. Anybody in here, anybody died in the last two years? We, they still on the, y'all ain't saying nothing. Did your cousin Pookie, had they been two times? Pookie is on the road. Here, 100 people. They ain't members, but I got a hundred that have been to my church. And they gave us the loan and we purchased the building downtown. Can somebody say it? The glory side of ministry. I'm talking about operating two years, man. Nobody gives, nobody gives a business a loan like that that has no business credit. No business credit. Say again. $270,000 loan. Been in ministry for two years. 20 members, that just don't happen. The glory side of ministry. Let me talk about to tell you about the glory side of ministry. The next building, you ain't got to get along at all. Don't, don't, make, don't make me run. Don't make, don't make me skip now. Ah, you don't need no loan. You don't need no credit. You understand? They just transferred in your name. Somebody shout the glory side of ministry. 
Jesus. So, so I'm telling you, man, God wants to, and God spoke to me and he said just a couple of weeks ago, I shared it with some of the intercessors, I said, God spoke to me and he said he wants to birth the supernatural again in this house. He wants to, watch this, not, for, not just for show, not just so people can look at us, but it's for his glory. Because every time he manifested his glory in that way, it blessed somebody else's life. <laughs> it's too crazy. I was, I, asked, I was asked to do a funeral. I was asked to do a funeral. This was about two years ago, did the funeral. How, how is it that 10 people come join your church because of a funeral? I don't even understand that. I had, I had 10 people have come since then, joined the church because of the glory side of ministry. But watch this. Let me press pause for a second because the, the glory side, and no, we, we've never called fire down from heaven. I haven't done that. I hadn't done it. And it's probably good that I can't do that. Because <laughs> I'm telling you. Some of y'all, let me look straight ahead. Some of y'all wouldn't be here. <laughs> y'all y'all wouldn't, y'all wouldn't. I'm just telling, I'm being, just being straight up. <laughs> watch this, watch this. You said what? <laughs> you go. Pastor, what happened to sister? I say, the glory. <laughs> That's what happened to glory. So watch, watch this, watch this. There is a glory side, and then there is, somebody shout, the other side. There is the other side of ministry. And I, I want to I talk just for a few moments. Don't plan to be before you very long, but I do need to talk about the other side of ministry. Because the glory side, this man stands in front of the entire nation of Israel, in front of the king, his court, and all of the people. 450 prophets of Baal. And he demonstrates the power of God in a spectacular way that nobody, I'm talking about to to, to the degree that nobody can argue that this wasn't God. Here is the other side in the very next chapter. The Bible declares, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not I do not make your life like that of one of them. So guess what the prophet, the man of God that just called fire down from heaven. The Bible declares, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. <laughs> Sometimes you see the glory, but you don't see the story behind the glory threats that you experience, fears and intimidations that you have. Let's dive deeper. Verse 4 says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under, under it, and prayed that he might die. Yeah. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my my answer, he, he wanted to, now watch this, I've never, in 12 years, I've never been suicidal, but I sure have wanted to quit. I've been like most of some of y'all, when you get discouraged and disappointed in Gulfport, you want to move to either Atlanta or Dallas. And I'm still tripping, why is it black people, especially every time when life get hard, you want to go to Atlanta or Dallas? I don't know.
man, it was early in min- it was early, early in ministry. God came to me, uh, and this was somewhere in uh, I think Virginia, somewhere in the mountains, and um, he he asked me to come and to do an interview. I guess he heard me preach or whatever. I don't know. He says, "I want you." We lost our pastor. Was it? A, it was another funeral I preached at. He heard me at a, at a funeral, and he says, "I want you to come interview. I'm one of the head deacons." And I want you to interview for this position. And I'm like, Virginia, that's, that ain't not a God point. <laughs> he says, we have a, uh, I think, four or 4,500 square feet home, parsonage, in a gated community. The last pastor, he left his Mercedes, whatever the top, I don't even know the numbers. We got th- that one. He left it, and, he, and they said, you can have that, or you can trade it in for whatever you want. He said, the base salary is just $10,000, and he said, if that's not enough, then we can petition the board. And he, it's what? $10,000 a month. Praise the Lord. Now watch this. I did pray about it. While I was praying, I never told my wife, because if I would have told my wife, She would have been like, if you ain't going to apply, I'm going to apply. Just <laughs> <laughs> and brothers, oh my goodness. Brothers, you, you know how a sister really twists your arm. Well, if, you know, well, let's just apply and see what happened then. We ain't got to go. Let's just see what happened. But God says, no. God says, no. He says, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. You know what he's saying? I'm disappointed in my ministry progress. I felt like I should have been further along than I am right now. Verse 9 says, there he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Help me minister to your neighbor and just ask them the question, what are you doing here? Here is not just a physical location, but what are you doing in the spiritual condition that you're in right now? The mental and the emotional condition that you are in right now. He, he, God has the right to ask the, ask the question because didn't you just call fire down from heaven? Why is it that you're hiding in the cave right now? I'll tell you why. Because there is an other side to ministry. There is the side of calling down fire from heaven, but then there's the side of sometimes disappointment, sometimes wanting to give up, sometimes wanting to quit. There is other side of ministry. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenants, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the on- he says, I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. I just want to take you on a journey just for a moment uh, because, and and I'm ministering from a pastoral perspective, and that's something I'm going to challenge you guys to do at the end of the message. I'm ministering from a pastoral perspective because I can identify with Elijah. I know what it's like to have ministry success. I know what it's like to have people who should be for you actually not be against you, but even worse, they just sit down and not do anything. I'd rather you be a... (sighs) I'd rather you be against me than say you for me, but then choose not to help me when I need you the most. 
I know what that feels like. There's the other side of ministry. And this, th- th- let, me, let me just tell you some of the pressures, some of the pressures of, of what it means to be a pastor. Number one, a pastor's on call 24-7. 24 7. Understand, understand. Um, um, if somebody is threatening your house domestically, you call the police. If your house is on fire, you call fire department. You have a medical emergency, you go to the emergency room. Your spouse is acting a fool and you ready to call it quits. You go see a lawyer. All of those people get one call. But when you're a pastor, you get all four of them calls. Your house burned down, you call the fire department, then you go call your pastor. Your husband cut up, your wife cut up. <laughs> you gonna call you a lawyer, then you gonna call your pastor and tell him what you getting ready to do. You have a mer- medical emergency, you gonna call 911, you gonna go to the ER, but then you gonna call your pastor because you want your pastor to come in. I'm not complaining, I'm just showing you. Prophet Beard, he said something so powerful. He said, t- he said, and, and I, <laughs> it was real funny. I was just laughing to myself. He says, for the next hour while I'm on my feet, I just want you to take my phone and answer every phone call, respond to every text message, every, every mess in, inbox message, uh, through messenger, every Marco Polo, just take it for the next hour. And he right on. There are times I just cut my phone off so they called my wife. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> when, when Paul writes to Timothy and he says, be instant in season and out of season, he ain't, that ain't no joke. Whether you're tired or not, people, no, no understand, understand. It, it's not that people don't care. Their emergency is not the other person's emergency. So I expect you to be just as fresh for me as you was for, for, for them. I told them Thursday night, you could, how many of you guys have ever seen a bad movie? You seen a bad movie? Bad movie? Okay. Anybody in here ever seen a bad movie, but you went back to the same movie theater? You just saw a different movie, huh? <laughs> I told him this Thursday night. I was talking to my son the other day. I told him my son the same thing. I said, son, I only got two bad messages in a row to do. <laughs> All I got is two bad messages in a row to do, and then it's over for me. The first one, I'd be like, well, Pastor Brett might just be, I don't know. He just, I don't know. But the second one in a row? Oh, it's over. Because you know what I don't have? I would love to have it, but I don't. I don't have contracts on none of y'all. <laughs> I would love to have a contract in place. Oh, you think your season up? The devil is alive. You signed right here and said you was going to be with me for 10 years, and it's two years. <laughs> Watch this. God holds pastors to a higher standard of accountability. James 3 and 1 says, not many of you should become teachers. This is the Bible. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. High level of accountability. Peter Wagner in his book, Pressure, he says, all Christians will come before the judgment seat of Christ, but pastors and other leaders have been forewarned that there is a divine, somebody shout divine, a divine double standard. One for teachers and one for all the rest. In other words, in the eyes of God, a given sin is worse for a pastor to commit than, uh, than for others. The first problem, of course, is the sin itself. And that may be the same for everyone, but the second problem is the violation of the office. 
you sin and then I sin, God holds me at a whole nother standard because of the level of responsibility and accountabilities. Pastors carry a greater weight of responsibility to God. Watch this, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 3.17 says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel, so hear the, hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. Because you ain't say nothing. Somebody shall say something, Pastor. You lying, you lying. You don't want me to say nothing. You don't want me to say nothing. I'm telling you right now. If you stood where I stood and you saw some of the looks that y'all be giving me, Jesus. When I talk about something that somebody else go through. Praise him. Go on, Pastor. Go on. You preaching now. But when the Spirit of God prompts me to talk about something that you're going through, he picking on us. Again, when a righteous person turns from their righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before them, they will die since you did not warn them, since you didn't say nothing. I showed you and you didn't say nothing. They will die for their sin. The righteous things that person did will not be remembered. I will hold you accountable for their blood. So I got to say something. I got to say, and it's always crazy. It's always crazy because no matter what <laughs> no matter what your position is and no matter how relevant you are to the ministry i can't have favorites and i can't be i can't be sensitive to this one because of their position as i am like i can't so there have been several times when i already had a conversation with god and i said god i'm going to do it like it needs to be done but at the end of the day, if they leave, I'm going to be handicapped. And God challenges me, don't worry about them leaving. Do what I ask you to do. Number four, demonic forces oppose pastors first. See, see, see some of you guys, you think, um, you think the devil just fights your mind. He fights me first. You think he fights your marriage? Fights mine first. Fights your babies? No, he fights mine first. You think your money just funny sometimes? You think your change strange? <laughs> no, he fight me first. Let me tell you why. Awake sword against my shepherds, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. And Jesus quotes this. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will what, y'all? They will be scattered. The devil knows. The devil knows because I have an influence with people. If he mars my influence, then that has a negative effect on the people that's following me, the people that I am encouraging, the people that I am leading. So is he attacking you? Yes. But if he attacking you, you better, be you better believe he attacking me as well. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. 
Number five, I'm done. Pastors pastors have high visibility. No, pastors' high visibility often leads to greater open criticism. (laughs) You know you can feel when somebody don't like you. (laughs) Ain't nobody got to say nothing. You can just feel it. (laughs) And then some people are trying to make it a little obvious. They'll be like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Hey. Why you ain't speak to her? I did speak to her. <laughs> but you ain't speak to her like you spoke to. <laughs> Jesus, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> and Jesus, oh, God, help me. I'm just trying to help the whole church. <laughs> if you got that in your heart, don't do it with my guest speakers, though. Ooh, you sure did preach, man of God. You sure did preach. Where y'all church located at? Where my stone at? I'm going to stone you right now. <laughs> hey, pastor, how you doing? We'll be coming to see y'all. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> y'all pray for me. Lord, Lord, working with my heart right now. You working in my heart right now. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this because pastors are, are because pastors are up front. <laughs> that reminds me. This, this, this lady came and she was just showing out. I'm talking about she shot it all over the church one Sunday. And uh, her nephew said, Y'all pray for her. She just got an upfront spirit. <laughs> <laughs> because pastors are up front. They are constantly subject to gossip and criticism. When church members have Sunday dinner, this is Peter Wagner talking, y'all. This ain't me. When church members have Sunday dinner, the past and the sermon of the morning are frequent topics of conversation. People talk about the good and also the bad. The pastor is closely observed in his life and choices are constantly critiqued. Just knowing this places an, a difficult burden on pastors and they need supernatural help to handle that situation. There's a glory side of ministry. There's a glory side. But then there's an other side that the pastor, the leader, is often attacked. He's often criticized, sometimes misused, sometimes, sometimes abused. This is where Elijah is. And the Bible declares when Elijah heard it, because God is going to do something. And let's look at what God's going to do for, for the man of God. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Look what God says to him. He says, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram, and anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king of over Israel, and anoint Elijah of Shaphat from from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone any who escaped the sword of Hazel, and Elijah will put to death 
anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, whose mouth have, have not kissed him. Understand the wisdom of God. Somebody shout the wisdom of God. This is what God does. God says, God says, I see where you are in the place of depression, half suicidal. You are discouraged. This is what you need, son. You don't need to die. You don't need to quit. You don't need to give up. You just need some people around you that will support you while you do what you call to do. That's all. That's all you need. So so anoint this king, anoint that king, anoint this king, anoint another prophet. And they will surround you and they will help you accomplish the will of God for your life. Now, understand, understand, um, I've, I've done uh, studies in business. I have a, a bachelor's and I have an MBA um, in business administration. And one of the things that I've noticed, this is not arrogance, this is not conceit, it's just the truth. One of the things that I've noticed, whenever there has been a business that has tremendous, tremendously succeeded, it's always pointed to something that the leader is doing. Even to the point whenever a business is overtaken by another business because let's say a business is failing, they're about to declare bankruptcy and a business come in and they buy that business out, the very first thing that they do is replace all the leadership. Because the reality is, if the leaders were doing what they were supposed to have been doing, the, the, the business would have never been here in the first place. So it's not 100%, but there is a great, there is a high percentage of any type of success in ministry or business that's attributed directly to somebody shout, the leader. I know that, and because I know that, and the devil knows that, often what he will try to do, he will try in some type of way to attack me spiritually, cause some natural type of chaos to happen in my life to get me off balance, to get me off a focus. Sometimes I'm just running so much. I, I remember, and, and y'all, I, I just, well, I'll, I'll just confess. I don't care. I'll confess. It was, it was about three messages ago, and if some of you guys have been following, there was a message that I just didn't put. I didn't put on the, on the podcast, and, and Lav came to me. He said, Pastor, where you going to put that message on the podcast? I said, I ain't putting that on the podcast. I said, that message sucked. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> he said, what you mean? I said, I did hear God. The content was great. But my energy was low. And, the, and when my energy is low, I cannot think. Because understand, what you see on the screen, that's all that's on this computer. That's it. I have no other notes. I have no other. Everything is right, it's, it's right there. So what I have to do is I have to open myself up to the spirit of God for him to give me the examples, to give me the, the explanation of the text that's relevant to, for this particular crowd. Because watch this. If I preach this same message in another hour to a different crowd, I'm going to have different examples. I'm going to have I'm going to highlight different portions of the scripture because I like for it to be on my feet, sensitive to the moment. So if I'm if, if I'm going to do that, then I need to be mentally sharp. I need to be I need to be full of energy. But whenever I'm tired, I can't think. Yeah. And the message, I just went through it. I gave him the content, but it wasn't it wasn't where I needed to be because I was just physically drained. I was spiritually tired and I wasn't able to give 100 that particular Sunday. I'm telling you, your pastor often comes under spiritual attack. And this is what I'm asking for the house of God, because ooh, this is so good, man. Watch, watch this. I've accepted some things. God has, God has challenged me to go higher in him. There's a greater work that God is calling your pastor to, and in turn, because he's calling me to, he's calling the house of God to as well. We're going to have a, a great ministry impact along the Mississippi Gulf Coast. 
I told him a couple of weeks ago, my, my plan is, God can change his plan, change my plans, but my plan is right now for the next 20 years, I want to give EMCC on the Mississippi Gulf Coast the next 20 years of my life, I want to give 100. And within that 20 years, I want to see, I, I don't want to be able to count the number of people that came to Jesus. I don't want to be able to count, watch this, the, the, the number of people that were delivered from addictive patterns, drugs, and, and alcoholism, and prostitution, and all this other kind. I don't even want to be able to count. I want it to be, the number to be so high that we just got the reputation that God used this ministry. I don't want the reputation. We've been here for 50 years, and that's it. Our greatest high is, girl, we've been around for 75 years. The devil is a liar. Want the reputation. Not only have we been here, but we made a major impact in this city. Amen. This was the place. This was the place. When God couldn't send them nowhere else to be delivered, when God couldn't send them nowhere else to be made free, he sent them to EMCC as last resort, and we came through because we availed ourselves. Somebody shout, we're going higher. I'm telling you, we're going higher, man. Some great things that God wants to do in this ministry, he wants to do through us to impact this city. All of our lives are going to a whole nother level. You know what? And that's why, let me just go ahead and, and prophetically, and I'm not saying this just for hype. I'm not saying this just for hype. That's why some of you guys in here, you've got to become millionaires. You can receive it if you want. I receive it. I, I, I receive it. You, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That's why some of you guys got to become millionaires. You know why? Because God told me not to, not to rely on the government to fund the vision of EMC. You don't understand. Not, not to rely on some grant to fund what God has called us to do. It must be people in the house that have a heart for ministry that are willing to give and support so that we can go to the next level. Somebody shout, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. <laughs> Financial breakthrough has got to happen. That's why you got, look at your neighbor and say, I'm coming out of debt. Whether you in debt or not, just tell them, I'm coming out. Encourage somebody, I'm coming out. That's why you got to be liberated from debt. Because what God wants to do, addictive beha behaviors have to be broken off of your life. That's some of you guys in here, you've been struggling with some things for a mighty long time, and you have been brought to this house because God says that I just don't want to move for you, but I want to move through you. And in order for me to move through you, there's some things that i got to break off your life first in order for you to be usable for me. You're in the right place at the right time. So I'm telling you, if this is going to happen, the way I believe it's going to happen, that means that you're going to need a man of God, a woman of God in position with, with a clear vision, with high energy, focused, and ready to tackle whatever comes our way. Because I'm going to know, my dad told me, he encouraged me, he encouraged me so, man, he encouraged me. Oh, man, matter of fact, he was here just a few moments ago. Did he, did he leave? He left. My, my daddy told me it was something that, that went down, uh, this was about a month ago, and I was so discouraged, man, I was so discouraged. And I called my dad, and I was like, man, Pop, I'm tired of this, man. I'm tired of this. And my, my, my dad said to me, son, do you think that you're going to continue to go high and the devil not oppose you? I mean, do you, really, do you really think that, that you can continue to grow in the things of God and the enemy never tries to oppose you? So I know where we're going Will there be opposition? Absolutely. Will it be, will it be opposition for the house? It, absolutely, there will be opposition for the house. Not only that, but it will be opposition for me. So this is what I'm asking for EMCC. I'm looking at every last one of you, and I need this out of you. I need partnership. Let me tell you the type of partnership that I need. F first of all, I want to thank you guys for all the, the, the gifts 
words of encouragement, financial contributions, and everything that, that, that the, the staff did, the board did, you as membership collectively and individually, it was a blessing to my household. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Because let me tell you, before I rob you, I go get a job. Before I have to steal, I, I'll <laughs> I go get an eight to five somewhere. Tony, will you hire me? Ah, uh, knowing them Philly cheese steaks. <laughs> Slap that mayo on there. <laughs> D, come on, dog. Watch this. This is the type of partnership that I need. I need partners in prayer. I need partners in prayer. What were those five elements to, to true spiritual growth that we talked about on last week? We said you need to have an active, you got them? Active prayer life, word study, periodic, periodic fasting, fellowship with other Christians. What's number five? So, I challenged you guys last week with this thought that you need a pastor. You need a pastor. Jeremiah 3 teaches that he gives you pastor after his, after his own heart to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Ephesians says, I give you apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teaching for the maturing, perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. So you need a pastor. But what I'm telling you today is your pastor needs you too. I need you too. I need your prayers. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.